wondrous love is this, oh my soul, oh my soul. What wondrous love is this, oh my soul. Good evening, everybody, and welcome to another very special Lenten edition of Ignite Radio Live. Over the five mighty stations of Annunciation Radio, you are with Greg and Stephanie Schleter, and we are so blessed to be with you tonight. The Suffering Servant passage from Isaiah 53, hundreds of years before Jesus came to this earth and lived and shared shared about the kingdom and performed amazing miracles and suffered and died hundreds of years before that ever took place. The prophet Isaiah said this, Surely he took up our pain and bore our suffering. Yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him. And by his wounds, we are healed. Brothers and sisters, it's a blessed time to be with you tonight and to open our hearts and minds to this great mystery. And it is a mystery, uh, the Paschal mystery of life, death, and resurrection, of a resurrection that you can't just drive up and uh, order with $4 and get it quick. It's, it's uh, endurance. It's, uh, it's uh, darkness and desert. It is enduring those moments of distance. We are not before our Lord with a beatific vision. Even on this earth, in the best of circumstances, we are. Um, in the shadows of eternity. And God destined these souls of ours, yours and mine, not for this place, but for eternity. And tonight we're going to explore a little deeper in a moment with a very dear friend who's going to join us, Justin Fatika. We're going to explore a theme that I'm going to call blessed rejection. Those two words you think shouldn't go together. Blessed rejection. But he's going to unpack it for us. We're going to talk a little bit about it tonight. Um, because it, it really holds uh, an insight of our nature in Christ. I'm going to say it again. Our nature. Our nature in Christ. Which is to say, we're only going to be fully alive, fully who we are, fully attuned to what God intends us to be attuned to, if we recognize our nature as God made us in Christ, the fabric of him. Everything that Jesus did, we're not meant to simply have profound appreciation and gratitude for. Absolutely but he, is, he, he reveals our nature and invites us to recognize him in our nature. We're meant to partake of the cross. Matthew 16, 24. All who come after me must deny their very selves and take up the cross and follow. For whomever keeps his life will lose it. Whomever loses his life for my sake. Now here's the good news that we're going to explore tonight. If you've been... If you experience iniquity, which we all have, sin, if we've all gone astray, which we all have, if we've been afflicted, which we all are, stricken, like Jesus, if we've suffered, as it says in this passage, if we've experienced pain, these are all adjectives in that suffering servant passage that Christ endured. If we've experienced these things, they are portals, they are means, they're open doors for us to more fully recognize who we are in the one, in Jesus, who dignified them. 
So we're going to open in prayer right now in a moment and pray for the grace tonight to recognize the suffering that may be in our histories, in our memory, our imaginations. Maybe present day we're going through some of this affliction and suffering, and we would love just to pray it away, right? We'd love it if God just took it away. But if God allowed his son to endure it for a purpose, a blessed purpose, let's open our hearts to see with God's eyes the purpose that God is never closest to, closer to us. We're never closer to him than in our suffering. Join me in prayer in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Dear Lord Jesus, Make us aware of who we are in you. All of these idols that compete for our affection in this beautiful world around us, Lord, all these things that command affection over our souls that we followed and we found ourselves all the more wounded, we just pray to recognize them and renounce them and all the more see your glory, Lord God, revealed in your Son on the cross, the means through which we will find resurrection in this world and in the next. And may we discover it more completely in the fullness of this beautiful Catholic faith you've given us, in the richness of the Mass. May we discover these movements of life, death, and resurrection, and Pentecost that we're meant to not simply spectate, but participate and recognize in our own lives. Make us aware, Lord, of how we are literally walking that journey through the difficulties that each of us face right now. Breathe, breathe your blessedness into those circumstances right now, God whatever they may be, unite us all the more in you that we may reveal your son Jesus, his saving love to the world. We ask all of this in your name through Christ our Lord. Amen. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. So we would like to extend an invitation once again for you to mark down on your calendars March 20th, a Tuesday evening at 6.15 p.m. at Lourdes University for a very special Um, Lenten Ignite. Those of you who um, are not familiar with that, it's a beautiful night of witness and word and worship. Um, We process with candles up to a pyramidal structure that we refer to as the burning bush and uh, place those candles awaiting our Lord presence um, in the Eucharist brought there uh, by the presider in the monstrance and just, you know, really enter in in a very special way. And something that we have found over the years um, that we've been doing this is it's a beautiful and easy evangelization tool. It's it's awesome and an easy invite um, to those who are wanting to learn more about the faith or those who have fallen away or those who are just kind of... Um, being a little more complacent, you know, in their spiritual walk. And it has really been used in powerful ways to ignite. Mm. How about that? Beautiful. Uh, ignite. Ignite at ignite. Um, just that connection with the Lord and powerful healings, both physically and spiritually, and has been used really by many um, as a reentry point back into the church or to explore further. So again, that is at Lord's University, a special Lenten Ignite on March 20th at 6.15. Tuesday. It's a Tuesday evening. So folks, another commercial before we bring Justin and before he calls in. Um, So how many of you have ever been in a conversation or earshot of family or friends who are bashing the church or bashing things that the church speaks about? And maybe they're even Catholics. And let's just be generous and let's be magnanimous and merciful and understand on this side of eternity, it's difficult to see through sometimes the clouds and make sense of it. It's easy to dismiss the more difficult parts 
of the church as well as just their belief or a faith or I don't need to follow that. How many of us have ever thought that ourselves? How many of us wish there was a, 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 an occasion Um, a comfortable, welcoming platform where we could actually talk about these things with respect, where people can, if you will, bring it, a clue to what I'm going to introduce, they can bring it, they can bring their reservations, their doubts, maybe their anger uh, about what the church teaches, maybe challenge its relevance or challenge its authenticity. You know, anything that you've ever experienced to challenge a church, wouldn't it be awesome if you had an opportunity to share that or invite people who share that? Well, now we're giving you that opportunity. So if you have a pen in hand or a means to write this down, we have two exciting events coming up in April, and we're calling it simply Bring It. With Father David Kidd uh, leading us, we have a youth version for high school and college youth. It's going to be at the Fire Pit Grill on Holland Avenue. Beautiful place that we've got reserved. We're inviting high school and college kids absolutely free to bring every question they possibly have about the Catholic Church. Same gender relationships, premarital sex, how far is too far, you know, the whole realm of edgy, controversial questions. We're going to have an atmosphere where those questions can be asked, where they can be discussed. Um, So, uh, and then adults, so April 5th is is a Thursday night, April 5th at 7, and then the same place, Fire Pit Grill, adults, it'll be a belief in beverage night. We're inviting all of you who are hearing this right now to join us on that night, April 19th, 7 p.m., for a Bring It adult version. We also call it Belief in Beverages Night. We're going to provide snacks and beverages. So where can you go to sign up? You do need to sign up. Even though it's free, you do need to sign up. There's a limited capacity of 125, which I think is going to fill out very quickly. So here we go. Massimpact.us forward slash bring it. Massimpact.us forward slash bring it. Again, register. And I'm going to put a challenge out to you because you are faithful listeners. Most of you are blessed to come to a conviction in the truth of Christ in the Catholic faith. Wouldn't you love to have a context where you could bring that friend or that family member who's struggling, where they could have a beverage and be relaxed and chill and uh, just ask those questions? Of course you do. Well, whoever that person is that came to mind, invite them. Bring them as your guests. Go to the site. Check it out. It's very fun. Again, Father David uh, Kidd is going to be leading us, and uh, I think you're going to find this very, um, very enjoyable. And for those of us who do um, have come to a conviction of the truth of Christ alive in the Catholic faith and the faith and moral life of the church, um, it'll be an occasion for us to maybe learn how to better answer these questions. Exactly. Don't we wish that we had a means of, of clarity uh, to uh, to address those people who raise those questions. Um, we've already been told different stories by different people. You had mentioned, you know, many of our listeners are solid in their faith and just have a hard time, you know, perhaps clarifying um, some truths. Something else that we have found has been um, a number of solid, beautiful parents whose uh, young adult children have walked away from the faith and just in, in really struggling with a lot of the truths of the faith and in conversation, just kind of the back and forth, back and forth and saying that they're open, but a lot of just pushback. And um, there have been two people, at least, who have shared with me that they challenged their child to come that night, mm. you know, just, OK, if you, you know, are really open to an answer or if you want you know, to ask these questions to an authority, if you will, Mm -hmm. um, then come Mm -hmm. like, put your money where your mouth is kind Mm -hmm. of thing. And so both people said that their child 
agreed to come. So if that, if you're in that position, do that. It's somebody else and the Lord will use it either way, you know, and stir up that continuing spirited conversation. I think too often, and we see it all over the place, right? In the secular world, politics, parenting, you know, you name it. People don't know how to dialogue. Mm, exactly. It's like my answer is the only answer. Mm. And I'm, they say, you know, they're open. And even if you disagree to learn the art of communication, to be able mm. to listen, mm-hmm. you know, too often we are so ready with what we want to say. We Win keep points. it in the chamber and we're not really listening. And, and for, I mean, the Catholic faith is the fullness of the truth. So I, that is the answer, right? But we also need to understand that as challenges come and questions are being asked, the Lord wants us to have that space of understanding the person who is struggling with the truth or who, you know, is fighting it. And, and that's where he allows um, an avenue to open up. You know, we need to mm-hmm. try to understand um, before we can be understood. That's right. We need to understand before we can be understood. And of course, a context where they know they really don't care what you know until they know that you care. We want to create atmospheres where that takes place. And in this region in particular, we know that our podcast, by the way, folks, you want to hear past programs, the last, they've all been stupendous if we do say so ourselves, not necessarily because of us, but just fabulous guests and great insightful content uh, from real people telling real stories who've fought the fight. Go to IgniteRadioLive.com, IgniteRadioLive.com, and uh, check out some of those past podcasts. But um, we really want to be at the service in this region in particular of Northwest Ohio, in this service of, of humanity, 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 where if we're honest and we're loving and we're selfless, Christ will be encountered. Christ will be encountered. And uh, one thing my brother Nathan said last week in the um, Ignite Radio Live in the podcast, talking about romanticism and stuff, I thought of this as you were speaking, and we're sort of biding time here, by the way, folks, waiting for Justin to call in. We know he had to put his no tots biting. down. This is all great It's good. Stuff. It's great stuff. But we're waiting on Justin. He's got a lot of exciting things to share with us, and I think this that theme is so good. Anyways, um, the idea that we can romanticize our faith, which can also be an Escape. I'm still really chewing on that because he brought clarity to that, that the most devout, faithful Catholics can actually look to religion as an escape. We can't say that strongly enough in an ironic way. And some of you know exactly what I'm saying. Some of our brothers and sisters who have not been inside a church for a long time exhibit a level of Christ-like humanity that surpasses many of our own. Because, and we're going to kind of maybe explore tonight from a new lens, they're in it. They're in the mix. They're dealing with the real stuff. And um, we'd love them to discover that in the Mass, in Christ who who suffered and died. But uh, they challenge maybe some of us who maybe, I don't know, maybe go to our events, go to our religious things, be involved. But maybe a telltale question is, a challenge to us, especially in this Lenten season, is we're, you know, if you will, partaking of these practices. Are we finding ourselves... Um, more like Christ to our spouse? Mm. Are we finding ourselves more like Christ in our homes? Are we leading in our homes? Would people around us say there's a difference in him or her besides their face looks like they really could use a sandwich or something? You know, are people looking at us and recognizing, um, you know, a transformation that's moving us to see that our marriages and homes are the place where Christ needs to be encountered? 
Because that's really, you know, the, the desert that Christ went into. Those are the nature of the temptations that stand in the way of us being more fully alive in Christ. They're temptations. There's stuff in the way that we got to battle. But the temptations aren't the end. It's not just battling temptations. Temptations are like debris in the way of the good thing that God wants us to have. So hopefully we're battling temptations, but that's not the end of the story. We battle temptations like debris so that on the other side we experience that joy, that glory, that sense of Christ more fully alive in our uh, marriages and families. Amen. (laughs) Amen to that. Um, You know, we are approaching the fourth week, fourth Sunday of Lent, right? Do I have that right? It's amazing how quickly, gosh, it's going by. And for many of us, we're already kind of frustrated or Mm. down on ourselves because we, you know, lasted a day, (laughs) some of us, or a week or two weeks. And, you know, with our Lenten commitments. And so we have the temptation. You talked about temptation, that this is a temptation of a different kind, just to throw in the towel. You know, like, ah, I blew it. So just kind of, you know, spot check me here or there. And, um, you know, it's, it's, we can't do that. The Lord gives us this wonderful, wonderful opportunity of grace in this season of Lent to really um, draw more deeply into him through the gift of the, the church, you know, the highlights, um, fasting, prayer, almsgiving, you know, these special sacrifices. And I just encourage you, if you are one of those people who uh, have has been struggling and are ready to throw in the towel or have already done it, um, pick it back up. You know, we still have halfway to go, right? Almost a little, little less, um, but it's never too late. And go, um, sometimes it's easier to be more, I want to say simplistic, like that's a bad thing. But I think part of the trouble for many during Lent is they have these grand, um, unattainable things and a long list of them instead of really praying about one or two things that stand in the way of us drawing more closely to the Lord, growing in holiness, growing in virtue, um, sacrifice is very important. You know, that self-discipline, that self-denial, you know, those things that we give up. Other people like to focus more on, you know, adding something extra. But what are those things that can be lifelong things to help us grow in relationship with Christ that we won't give up after 40 days? You know, it's not meant to be this, okay, one and done kind of thing. Mm. You know, Lent is the the gift of um, a spiritual recharge in many ways to keep on going after that. And when we reach Easter, we realize more fully the power of the resurrection, you know, to go through the cross first and, um, you know, just grasp that glory of the resurrection. So I suspect Justin's on the phone right now with uh, somebody making an important call. But um, we are blessed to have him and his family at our home passing on to another mission. So we're always blessed, and the neighbors are intrigued to see his big old "You're Amazing" bus sit parked out in front of our house. And we're blessed to have his team and his family. Anyways, um, a number of very exciting developments for Justin. If you're familiar with him, his program "You're Amazing" uh, on EWTN, just really showing uh, his his tremendous reach of a generation, young people, not even inner city kids, but you know, wealthy kids, kids who are poor. His his gift of just authenticity and connecting with them, and you know, his real message is really to recognize that we're all broken. I know that sounds can be overplayed, and a lot of people do overplay it, but for him. 
you know, he really uh, found Christ through a lot of brokenness coming from a very wealthy family, having everything handed to him. So brokenness wasn't simply at that level. It was just kind of at that acknowledgement that things for us don't work. Think about a car that's broken. Which of our cars, you know, stay you know, uh, not broken for more than a year or two? Um, we all experience areas of brokenness, and he connects with them in that brokenness as a way to help them turn to Christ powerfully. Anyways, um, an exciting development in his life, and Steph, maybe you can share a little more about this, is the addition of a new team member that uh, is very surprising to much of the world. But tell us about it. So um, Justin is the founder and uh, runs, I don't know technically what his... Hard as Nails. His uh, title is, but it's Hard as Nails Ministry. And um, just look it up online. It's H-A-N-M dot org, Hard as Nails Ministry. And with the tagline, You're Amazing, which is across the bus, which I'm sure there's a picture on the website. Um, uh, you know, he has a number of books. He has a number of events throughout the country. He has um, his, as Greg mentioned, the EWTN television series, You're Amazing, and has been on, you know, has had the HBO specials and just real deal, guys, just real deal. Lots of stuff going mm-hmm. on. So he's very, the title, Hard as Nails, is so, <laughs> Justin, I mean, he's right mm-hmm. there. When I say in your face, I mean in a good way. He's in your face with the love of God and the seriousness of it and what that means and how we grow in that brokenness. And he's just, um, again, just a real gift to the church. So they have, they were blessed immensely very recently with the addition or soon to be addition of father Peter, John Cameron and some of you may recognize that name. Others of you may know him just as the editor of Magnificat magazine. Mm-hmm. So the prayer Founder. book, yes, uh, for the last however many years, quite a while. So he um, was given permission to be released. He's a Dominican, and he is going to be working full-time with Hard as Nails Ministries and um, with Justin, and he's, um, <laughs> for his you know, crazy, wonderful, loud as Justin can be. One end of the spectrum. To, for right, sure. right. So, Father Peter, um, just bringing a real gift of his, um, the other end of the spectrum. Dominican. The, those, yes, and just the just a real purity of heart and peacefulness, mm. and um, and Justin certainly man of integrity, purity of heart, also. But just the Lord. Um, uses different personalities. So it is going to be a truly awesome thing to watch and see what the Lord does using both ends of those spectrums together. Justin was joking that those um, older listeners might remember the Mighty Duck or the... Is it the, the Mighty, Mighty Ducks? Ducks? Yep. Yeah, the V formation, <laughs> you know, kind of going out there and catching them all. So he begins with them in July, and um, our prayers are with them and just very excited. And they've been given permission also. Um, they're in the beginning stages of actually founding an order through Hard as Nails Ministries also, which is very, very cool. So his passion, Justin, had a neat story uh, about Billy Graham. Mm, that's uh, I was just say. Go ahead no, and share no. that. Okay. You recall it better than me. Well, maybe not. How about if we tag team it? Sure. So Justin, again, just very much gives witness to there's no such thing as co- coincidence. It's all providence. And he has, for all the places that he's been through, been to throughout the country doing different events, he had never been in North Carolina. So recently he was down there. I believe he said it was for a father-son um, 
events of yep. sorts, which he had some beautiful stories about that. Um, but so he was down there when Billy Graham passed away and was given a great um, blessing of going to the Billy Graham, whatever it's called, library something mm-hmm. where um, the dear soul was his body was, you know, um, What's it called? <laughs> What's the proper term term in the Protestant world? Um, but just the wake and um, mm. that was open to the public. And so, however, Justin finagled his way over and in there and ended up right next to Billy Graham's son. Or I'm sorry, Billy Graham. Uh, Billy Graham's grandson. Grandson. In line, but just he Justin has always been a, a real devotee and is very similar to Billy Graham, except Catholic style <laughs> um, of his preaching and just passion for God and for Christ and, you know, to bring souls and revival and kind of the whole thing. So Justin was so excited to have this beautiful grace of going and paying his respects, so to speak. So he went up to the casket and Justin said he just, you know, knelt down and put his hand on the casket and bowed his head and closed his eyes. It was like, okay, Billy, you know, Mary's real and she's your mother. (laughs) (laughs) You know, that. The Eucharist, body, blood, soul, divinity kind of went through all these little Catholic moments yep. in his mind. As so now help me. So now, you know, you're there and I'm here. We're going to make an awesome team and we're going to convert the world to Catholicism. You're with me, you know, now. Very, and, but just but very, very sincere, yep. like just kind of right there. Um Just beautiful as always, again, respected Billy Graham and um, just kind of fun in a in a beautiful way to mm-hmm. uh know that he knows all now and knows Mm -hmm. the great blessing of the Catholic faith. And now, you know, and again, the beautiful gift of the communion of saints and intercessory connection. Absolutely. Folks, I'm going to give you our phone number and we're just, uh, hopefully Justin will join us, but if not, we'll set it up for another day. There were some very moving stories we were hoping he'd share and just sticking to this theme, blessed rejection, blessed rejection. Of course, that's not the end of the story. It's life, death, resurrection and Pentecost all four of those are extremely important as you know we find them in every movie just they just had the Oscars right every movie every story has these movements uh, in them Um, but we're gonna in a moment proclaim maybe the second reading and go into the gospel for this coming Sunday but I want to invite you if you're in need of encouragement tonight if you're in need of special prayer, we're here for you. We want this wonderful gift of Annunciation Radio to be a way of uniting us uniting us in prayer, um, uniting us in a heart, Christ's heart. We are far from the mark. We profess that constantly. We are, we're acknowledging of our sin, without which we, we wouldn't need a Savior. I say it to anybody who's passing through the dial. I mean, that's the thing that unites us. Anybody who's listening right now, it's not that we've arrived, it's that we're sinners. It means separation. There's something incomplete, whether we're aware of it clearly and understand what we've done or you know our attitudes and the way we treat people, that things are broken, or whatever, with whatever clarity, we're united in that. And we can't fix it ourselves is kind of the awareness. We cannot make it, you know, whole on our own. Um, and, it, and it doesn't happen overnight, by the way, but God revealed His Son, Jesus, to be the answer, to be our salvation, and to call upon Him and seek His grace. And so this is an occasion, this radio station, this wonderful program, and our, our movement in particular at Mass Impact is all about trying to be real, as parents in our families to try to live this, to try to not just make it a little book on the shelf uh, that we pull off from time to time on Sundays or, you know, when we have that religious group. You know, God wants us to be the air we breathe. 
He wants us to breathe the air of our nature of, of being Christ-like, made in his image. Whether we accept it or not, the reality is we're made in his image, and we really can't break the law, the Ten Commandments. We can only break ourselves against it. So if you're in need of prayers tonight, if you're in need of encouragement, call in 877-275-8098. If you got something you want to share, a testimony, how your Lent is going, perhaps, maybe how you've discovered God through rejection. Uh, it doesn't need to focus on that theme, but 877-275-8098. Um, with that, we're going to, I'm going to proclaim the second reading for this coming Sunday. And by the way, those of you who are used to this, we have many lit groups now meeting. Those are groups of no more than 10 people that commit to seven weeks to gathering on a weekly basis to talking and praying. It's like putting a flag in the sand in your home from which that grace flows into every other aspect of your home. We're delighted to hear the stories of how people's lives are being transformed. And, uh, you know, if that interests you, contact us. We'll get you hooked up in, in the next season of A Lit Group. But uh, that's what I'm reading from right now. I'm reading the second reading. It's on our site, massimpact.us. And the idea is that God's got something to say to us. He speaks to our hearts. So here we go. Uh, second reading is from Paul's letter to the Ephesians. And Paul says, Brothers and sisters, God who is rich in mercy because of the great love he had for us, even when we were dead in our transgressions, brought us to life with Christ. By grace you have been saved. Raised up with him and seated us with him in the heavens in Christ Jesus that in the ages to come he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace in the kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from you, it is the gift of God. It is not from works, so no one may boast. For we are his handiwork, created in Christ Jesus for the good works that God has prepared in advance that we should live in them. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So Steph, uh, with our listeners, um, let's, let's chew on this. What struck you in this reading, challenged you, inspired you? What questions did it raise? So one of the words that jumped out to me was the word handiwork. And I pictured our daughter, Grace, mm. who um, she is the a blessing, she is, <laughs> of uh, a dear friend that we actually met through one of our core mission groups out at Holy Trinity. Shout out to Nancy. Mm. Um, She's Nancy, a handiwork, too. Nancy and kind a of, piece of work. Nancy kind of took, her, took our Grace under her wing when she saw her interest and natural gift in um, sewing and uh, some other crafty kind of thing, but things, but sewing being the main one. And um, so she just really uh, helped Grace to blossom in the gift of, of sewing and mm. making different things. And one gift in particular that she gave to me over Christmas as my Christmas present was this beautiful quilted kind of like a table mm. runner ish thing. Mm. Um, that was Great abs- image. Alu- absolutely, it was just moving because looking at it, you know, all these little squares and all these little stitches and the backing and the embroidery of, you know, Merry Christmas on the front and um, just very moving. And I kept like looking at it and touching it and just looking at, 
you know, all the deliberate stitching and the choice of the fabric and all that went into it and mm. the, the lining stuff in between so that hot things could be put on it without ruining it and making it washable. And so I, I don't know if it's a silly analogy, but the line that you read from St. Paul's letter to the Ephesians, um, and I just lost it. Handiwork. We, for we are his handiwork. And so I picture, you know, the truth of each of us being made as God's handiwork, very mm-hmm. deliberately and intentionally and exactly how he wanted us to be. Um, and that's just very moving. So that was the word that jumped out to me first. And that image of Grace's, mm. um, you know, gift of of her craft, um, And of course, the very word grace is in here numerous times, so it corresponds to her. Um, You know, I I read this, and as we're entering into Lent, I'm sort of mindful. uh, I'm mindful of the the temptation as a child to just read them for head knowledge, Mm -hmm. like to be aware of what Jesus did, and to be able to, you know, if people were to ask me the question, you know, who is Jesus, what did he do? Well, he died for us, and that is true. But um, the challenge all the more is to understand how we're participants in the story. Like that Paul isn't simply speaking, you know, almost 2000 years ago. Um, he's speaking to us in present day that, that we are the recipients of these letters of these epistles. So he's, you know, affirming God's richness and mercy. And here's, here's a guy, you know, just his own story, right? Paul, who, who was a very devout, pious, informed Jew who was persecuting Christians. So every word that comes out of his mouth about Christ is authentic. He's not somebody who was from the womb raised to be a Christian. As you know, we look through our lens mm. as those who maybe are familiar with this language. No, when he's using these words, he's recognizing that he has um, the enmity, if you will, uh, not only of the Roman Empire, but he's got the enmity of many of the Jewish establishment. I mean, he is writing letters to communities to encourage them to demonstrate his belief in the power of Christ and who he is with his whole life. It's a totality here. It's not just a head knowledge. This is a living, saving, all-consuming, worthy-of-his-life devotion reality. And, and I think I'm reminded and I'm challenged by this. It's not just for those special people, whomever they may be, that holy grandma maybe who's really holy, or my cousin or nephew or that priest type of person. Paul's letter, letters in all of Scripture speaks to the human person. It speaks to our state of being in transgression. It speaks to our state of separation. And it affirms in this in particular that God wants to flood us with grace, that he made it possible for us to not live under the curse. You know, I, I, I wish we could see through divine eyes. I wish we could mm-hmm. see what God sees. You know, often as a family, we pray, of course, for the souls in purgatory. But we also say, you know, may we see with their lens. Imagine this, brothers and sisters. If we could see our lives right now through the lens of those who've passed beyond and are now working through uh, toward eternal life, who see their transgressions, who see their attitudes, who see the weight of those attitudes and the decisions that they made, who maybe look back at their lives and say, gosh, I, I, I really wish I could have seen my world the way you and I are right now through the lens of eternity. How much different would my life be? How much less would I entertain 
thoughts of just mediocrity or unkindness or or uh, angst or whatever the case may be, anxiety. How much would I be able to be free from the debris again and f- more full of God's grace? This is what God wants to offer us. At the very core, he wants to rid us of the debris that clutters our lives, that we can be filled with his holy presence, that we can be these living tabernacles. You and I both know, Stefan, people who are listening, tell me, folks, you don't know that person whose face shines with a sense of joy. Somebody's coming to mind right now. Somebody who exhibits a freedom. Somebody who, when they encounter a difficulty, they respond generally with grace. We're human, right? But in general, with grace, with kindness, with understanding. That's truly a, a, um, a saintly quality that we ought to not only admire, we ought to emulate. We ought to say, Lord, I want that. You know, I, I want that quality. But now let me ask the question. If that's the whole purpose of our faith and the Mass is the height of that, versus a year ago, are we more like that person? Are we more free from the debris? Are we more uh, illuminated with God's grace? Do people look at us and say, hey, that person, I want what that person has. They're really shining with the freedom. I see how they're navigating through real difficult things in their lives. I'm just saying aloud here on the, on the air for all who will listen, I, I desire that. I mean, that's why I go to, go to Mass as much as I can, certainly Sundays, but during the weekdays, because I go yearning to be free from the debris so I can be filled with His grace. So, again, you're listening to Ignite Radio very live <laughs> with Greg and Stephanie Schleter. Um, Greg, this second reading, again, St. Uh, Paul's letter to the Ephesians, I can't help but be struck also that it is St. Paul who's writing. You know, the one who persecuted and murdered mm-hmm. Christians, right? And so all the more credibility, if you will. Mm -hmm. Um, And just the realness, like picture how overwhelming it must have been for him when he came to his conversion, literally got knocked off his horse Mm -hmm. and was blinded by the lights and, um, you know, came to know in a very real way, the mercy of God. And so as he writes, brothers and sisters, God who is rich in mercy because of the great love he had for us, mm. even when we were dead in our transgressions, brought us to life with Christ. By grace you have been saved. I mean those that's real deal. That's not mm. just like this touchy feely sounds really nice all these, you know, sweet little words. Imagine how deep and deliberate each of those words mm-hmm. were. Mm-hmm. And he's trying to encourage his brothers and sisters in Christ, in that mercy, in Amen. that kindness, in that life. Justin shared with us last night uh, about his love for, of course, his new partner, Father Peter John Cameron, again, founder of the Magnificat, and now full-time, will be full-time minister with him. And I'm actually going to play the homily that he shared with us that was delivered at EWTN just five, five or six days ago. Um, And I want us to maybe be attentive as we hear this to the beautiful teaching on blessed rejection, the beautiful teaching on blessed rejection that really touched Stephanie and I in particular as we heard this. And uh, I hope it touches you. So uh, let's listen to this. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke. Jesus said to the Pharisees, 
There was a rich man who dressed in purple garments and fine linen and dined sumptuously each day. And lying at his door was a poor man named Lazarus, covered with sores, who would gladly have eaten his fill of the scraps that fell from the rich man's table. Dogs even used to come and lick his sores. When the poor man died, he was carried away by angels to the bosom of Abraham. The rich man also died and was buried. And from the netherworld, where he was in torment, he raised his eyes and saw Abraham far off and Lazarus at his side. And he cried out, Father Abraham, have pity on me. Send Lazarus to dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am suffering torment in these flames. Abraham replied, my child, remember that you received what was good during your lifetime, while Lazarus likewise received what was bad. But now he is comforted here, whereas you are tormented. Moreover, between us and you, a great chasm is established to prevent anyone from crossing who might wish to go from our side to yours or from your side to ours. He said, then I beg you, Father, send him to my father's house, for I have five brothers, so that he may warn them, lest they too come to this place of torment. But Abraham replied, they have Moses and the prophets. Let them listen to them. He said, oh no, Father Abraham, but if someone from the dead goes to them, they will repent. Then Abraham said, if they will not listen to Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded if someone should rise from the dead. The Gospel of the Lord. Right. I'm a Dominican. The name translated from Latin means dogs of the Lord. So I love any gospel that features dogs, <laughs> like this one. Now what is this parable all about? It's this. It is about the importance and even the privilege of being rejected. I really recommend to you to watch the EWTN television series, You're Amazing. I was watching it the other night, episode two. And there I heard Justin Fatika say something that really moved my heart. He says, when you take the risk of loving someone, and you get rejected, this is great. Because when you're rejected, you become more broken. And the more broken you are, the more people listen to you and respond to you. They pay more attention to you. Now this gets played out in today's beautiful parable. Start with the rich man. What was his problem? So the gospel gives us a lot of clues. It says, first of all, that he dressed every day in fine linen and purple. Now, why did he do this? Because of course, at home, he had a pair of jeans 
and a very nice flannel shirt. But he didn't wear that. He chose not to wear it. Why? Not simply because he was wealthy. He wanted to show off how rich he was. It was a way of being flamboyant and ostentatious. And then it says he dined sumptuously each day. And this is not just a problem with gluttony. If he dined sumptuously each day, that meant also on the Sabbath day, which meant he wasn't keeping the Sabbath. He let his gluttonous attitude toward food even get in the way with his relationship with God. And here's really the worst problem that this man faces. This uh, beggar that's laid at the gate of his house that he probably has to step over on his way out to or back from a fine restaurant. Was he just an anonymous lump lying on his doorstep? And the answer is no. The most scandalous thing about this man's life is that he knows this beggar by name. And what's the proof? When he gets to the netherworld, it's the rich man who cries out the name of Lazarus to Abraham, begging for help. And even worse, once he gets to the netherworld, you would think he would have some sort of an internal change, a conversion, right? But he doesn't. He's not embarrassed about the way he treated Lazarus. He's not contrite toward God. And he's not apologetic to Lazarus himself, just the opposite. Instead, he turns to Abraham and he demands, he says, Abraham, send Lazarus to help me. That is to say, Abraham, make Lazarus act like a servant toward me. Make him act like my slave. Now let's look at Lazarus. What's his problem? So we know that he's poor because he can't sustain himself. We know that he's sick and infirm, so much so that he can't get to this gate by himself every day. People have to carry him there and lay him there at the gate. And also we know that he's hungry because it says that he was uh, yearning, really dying for scraps that fell from the rich man's table. But was that Lazarus's greatest problem? And we find the answer again by looking closely at the text. Because when he gets to heaven and he's there with Abraham, what is his reward? Does it say that he's given riches? No, so his problem is in his poverty. Does it say that he is fed a delicious feast? No, because his his problem is, is not that he's hungry. Does it say uh, that he's given some sort of healing for his sickness or his infirmi infirmity, as, as sick as he was? It doesn't say that. What does it say? It says he was comforted. Which means what? Lazarus's greatest problem was the pain of being rejected by the rich man, of being overlooked, treated like trash, discarded, and, and, and outcast 
from this man's imagination who knew him personally by name. Now you've been there, right? And I've been there too. But for some reason, even when he gets to heaven, Lazarus, who has every right to accuse God for treating him so shabbily in his life, why did I get so many bad things? Why, why did the rich man get so much great stuff? Or when the rich man is after him to treat him like a slave, Lazarus could have turned and shown justifiable anger, really, towards the ill treatment of this man. But he doesn't. He's quiet. He's silent. Why? Because he loves his rejection. He knows it is a gift from God. And what is the proof of that? And here's where the dogs come in. You thought I forgot, right? Here's where the dogs come in. So it says he was sick. He was hungry. He was, he was um, a man who couldn't afford anything in his life. And in this translation, it says, and even the dogs came to lick his wounds, as if this were the ultimate indignity, the final outrage. But the better translation of this from the original is not even the dogs came to lick his wounds, but it's this. But the dogs came to lick his wounds. Which means what? The dogs were a gift of comfort to this most terribly afflicted man. Who were these dogs? This was not some sort of sweet Pekingese that you put on your lap as you're watching TV. These were the wild guard dogs that made sure nobody got into this rich man's complex. And the very kind of person that they're there to rip from limb to limb is anyone who approaches the gate. But the dogs don't do this to Lazarus. Why? Because they discover in him something that reminds them of their creator. And it makes them peaceful and even tame. Lazarus, the rejected man, is like Adam, living in the harmony of Eden in complete peacefulness with the wild beasts. And it is the comfort of those dogs licking Lazarus's wounds which gives him the assurance that his, reje his rejection is not something to be wasted. It is a better gift given to him than any kind of wealth, any kind of privilege, any kind of status, any kind of acclaim or prestige in life. Which is why, as we move back to heaven and the conversation with the netherworld, when the rich man makes this very bold claim, then send him, send him to us. What does Abraham say? Something absurd. He says, can't do it. Wish we could. But there is a great chasm between you and us. And he doesn't simply say, nobody from your side can cross over from the netherworld to our side, which is perfectly understandable. But he says, nobody from our side can cross over to your side. Who in the world would ever want to cross from heaven to hell? 
And you know what the answer is? Lazarus does. Why? Because he's been there. He's lived in that hell. And when he was in hell, God sent him dogs to comfort him. And so, in his tender, beautiful, simple, pure heart, he says, if God sent me dogs, then, then I want to go myself to help this man. I don't care how shabbily he treated me. I want to give to him what God gave to me because that's the only way for that to keep going. Would the rich man ever beg that way if Lazarus was not a rejected man? Absolutely not. We need to be rejected. So what does this mean for us? First of all, we have to go out and get a dog. Because <laughs> we need, we need our, our, our wounds licked. But secondly, we don't want to squander our rejection. We don't want to reject our rejection. It's a gift. It's a powerful privilege and gift that can change people's lives. And thirdly, we want to beg for the grace to close the great chasm, which happens through the great chasm that is opened in the side of Jesus Christ, whose body we receive in this Eucharist, Jesus, the rejected man. What a powerful homily. Amen to that. Um, I love, I loved all of it. Again, just um, a holy man full of great wisdom and love of the church and scripture. One of the lines that jumped out to me was, don't reject your rejection. Mm. It's a gift. Um, wow. You know, I mean, we try to avoid that at all costs, right? Or when it does happen, and that's just part of life. You know, it's so easy to be bitter, to, Mm. you know, hold grudges or to give it back or, you know, in a negative way. Mm -hmm. But instead of really embracing it and it's in that brokenness where the Lord, we relate to the Lord the most, right? And he's able to Mm. use our brokenness and draws others into that. This has been a key theme, I think, um, for those who have experienced dynamic Catholic programming, which has been uh, greater opportunities, as we've said, than any time in history, more accessible. And the challenge, the challenge that, that in the good of many evangelical brothers and sisters, opening the door to that personal relationship with Jesus, absolutely, in the Word, absolutely, that we, we don't lose that anchoring um, of God's hand working in the midst of suffering and trial and tribulation, his formative hand, that we're not living for, if you will, the next new and exciting event. It takes great maturity to form even our kids, you know, who love these, love Ignite, they love all of this. But I think early on, we really took great measures to try to convey to them that, you know, encounter Jesus there and the worship is awesome, etc. Of course, confessions are going on and all that's going on. But but the, the next moment is the greatest moment we could possibly have because God is in it. To give them uh, an anticipation of Christ alive and to go deeper in every new moment. 
that perspective is the challenging perspective. Um, you know, and I, I think most people at some age, they give up. They, they give up trying to find the next new high. And so the antidote is what? The antidote is, <clears throat> excuse me, understanding these moments of rejection, the humility prayer. As we saw this last night, uh, Justin pulled it out, and we brought it up on a screen and watched it. It was on a table, and we had just maybe an hour earlier prayed with his team, uh, the litany of humility, and uh, still some of those copies were sitting on the table. And it was just um, a a very poignant uh, image of a father talking about these themes with this litany, and some of you in our audience have heard of this, that speaks of, um, you know, seeking God at the heart of everything, you know, from the desire of being loved or extolled or remembered or, you know, consulted, deliver me, Lord Jesus. It seems insane by a modern world standard Mm -hmm. that we would seek um, to be delivered from the desire of all the things that the world, you know, which should say that we should want, but really are about self-worship. That's the key. I mean, all those things are about self-worship. And when we uh, suspend our desire to be worshipped, our, our desire to be the one, which is, even if we had all those things, I mean, that's Hollywood, many of them. <clears throat> that's that crowd, folks who have a lot of money. It's the highest depression, highest suicide rate uh, class um, of professionals on the planet. Why would we pursue these things if they exhibit such emptiness? And, um, you know, it's sooner or later you hope that... Um, as we explore every other thing like Solomon, you know, Solomon's wisdom, as we try everything, that we come to an understanding as he did, as he prayed for wisdom, that faith comes in direct proportion to our discovery that all else is vain. Faith comes in direct proportion to our discovery that all else is vain. Whatever it is that we, you know, I'm age 50 now and, you know, we entertain. I've entertained. I still do. I entertain these illusions that other things merit my pursuit, merit my worship. I wouldn't call it that. But, uh, um, in fact, that's exactly what they are. They are, uh, they are occasions for my soul of compromising a devotion in my heart that's meant for our Savior. Let's close tonight in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Dear Jesus, you work in the mess. You came in the mess in Bethlehem, and your glory was revealed in the mess through men who were very much struggling and compromised, as are we tonight, Lord, in many ways. And we avail this to you, Lord, as you make us aware of our need that you would be our supply to overflow into all those around us. We ask this in your holy name, through Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen.